friend. Yes. We are recording again. I can't believe it. It has been a, a month. Yeah, a month. So real quick, what happened was the night after we recorded, and especially the next day, I felt horrible. Turns out I had non-COVID pneumonia. Yes. And it was horrible. I wish it on no one. No. It was so miserable just not being able to breathe. You passed out. Three times. That's what's scary to me. <laughs> Three times I Three passed times out. Three times I pass out. Nightmare. <laughs> it was horrible. It was. Frightening. Um, but real quick, before we get started, I wanted to... I, I, I just wanted to bring this up. Because God is... God puts people in your path. Yes. And it's pretty amazing. Uh, the probably at the height of my pneumonia, Chris takes me to the doctor's office, and uh, it, you know everything's difficult. You take two steps, and I'm ready to die. So we get to the there's like five, three or four steps to get up to the doctor's office, and uh, I have to stop to try to catch my breath. And this lady, I never saw her face, but she kind of touched my elbow. Yeah. And was just like, it's okay, you're at the doctor's office, this is where you need to be. Which I thought was really sweet. So like, I remember sweet. that. Yeah. So we go to the doctor's office, doctor's like, okay, well, we need to get a chest x-ray. Okay. So we go over to the other office. Yeah. And it's it's a oh. lot of steps. It's a lot of steps. So finally we get to the to the front doors of the of the complex. And once again, I'm in pain, I can barely breathe. Well, it turns out that in the front of the building, there's a dialysis office. And there were two ladies in there watching us the whole time because I'm holding on to Chris. They come out with a wheelchair. And we didn't know, like, what was going on. They're like, honey, we've been watching you the whole time here. You need this. Sit down. Which was a lifesaver. Like, they didn't have to do that. No. We weren't even going to their office. And then, you know, when we finally got to the x-ray department... um, the guy there, the technician who took the x-rays, he was so helpful, so caring, oh, so compassionate. Yes. So I, the whole point of this is there are compassionate people out there. And God will put them in front of you. Yeah. And if you are ever, if the roles are reversed and you have an opportunity to help someone, do it. Because yeah. it makes a world of difference. To that person. No kidding. What would you have done? I mean, I don't know. You would have passed out. It. I don't know. It would yeah. have. It would have taken what is what would what should have been a five minute walk, maybe. Yeah. To the doctor's office would have taken a, a half hour. Yeah. No kidding. Just thank God for those angels. Just the entire day. Yeah. You know, I was like, wow, like just everywhere we went. It was neat. It really was neat. It was. Praise God for that. Yes. That's right. Even even through sicknesses and stuff, you still have to praise God. Yeah, you do. Amen. Yeah, that's for sure. How have you been? Fine. Okay. Pipping along. Pipping. Yeah, everything's going just fine. We'll just get through today and go on. Yep. You kept texting me. You're still sick? Are you okay? Yeah, one word. One word. 
you'd say pneumonia, still fever. That's that's all I had the energy to do. Yeah. Everyone was convinced I had COVID, but I had two separate tests, like a week apart. No COVID. No COVID. No. It's amazing. I don't know. I know. What? You're good now. Good now. Yes. Thank you. That's all that matters. That's right. That's good. Amen. Yes. Yes. All right. Would you like oh, to start sure. us off in prayer? Sure. All right. Here we go. Dear Lord, I thank you for your word today. I ask that you would increase my wisdom and understanding as I read. Speak to me through your word, Lord. I pray that your word would create in me a clean mind and renewed heart. Hide your words in the folds of my heart for times of need by myself or others. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Yes. Okay. All right, so we it took a little bit to get back into this. I'm like, I don't even yes. know what... And what happened was, I hadn't edited the last podcast. Oh. That's what the delay was, because I had to put up a little message saying, hey, I'm sorry, but uh, there's not going to be any new episodes for a little bit. Okay. But, uh, but yeah, so finally got that edited. So here we are, Judges chapters 6 through 12. Gosh, yeah. Uh, let's recap Judges chapters 1 through 5. Now, Joshua died, and the Israelites were left without a leader. Uh, judges were instituted to make sure that everyone was treated fairly. The Israelites didn't drive out all the Canaanites as they were told by the Lord. They worshipped foreign gods, which made the Lord very mad. The, their cycle of rebelling and then repenting and then worshipping the Lord again was stronger than ever. Yes. And we had our first judges, Othniel, Ehud, Shamgar, and Deborah. Gosh. Was there anything you wanted to add to that? No, I'm good. Okay, so going to chapter 6. Uh, Gideon was Israel's fifth judge, and like we just mentioned, the, the cycle continued for the Israelites. They did evil in the Lord's eyes, and then the Lord had given them over to the Midianites, and the Israelites cried out for help to the Lord. Um, did you have any notes for that first part of chapter 6? Um, the Midianites were desert people descended from Abraham's second wife, second wife Keturah. From this relationship came a nation that was always in conflict with Israel. Years earlier, while still wandering in the wilderness, the Israelites battled the Midianites and almost destroyed them. Because of their failure to completely destroy them, the tribe repopulated. Here they were once again oppressing Israel. So, moving on in chapter 6, Gideon spoke to the angel of the Lord who was sitting under one of his trees, which, that's amazing. Yes. Now, would you please read uh, Judges chapter 6, verses 15 and 16. But Lord Gideon replied, How can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. The Lord said to him, I will be with you, and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. That's amazing. I know. Love that. It's And it's 
It's never the ones that you would expect the Lord to talk to. Never. Never the strongest. (coughs) Yeah. Excuse me. Did you have any more notes for chapter 6? I do. I have regarding um, 6.13. I have, how easy is it to overlook personal accountability and blame our problems on God and others? Unfortunately, this does not solve our problems. It brings us no closer to God, and it escorts us to the very edge of rebellion and backsliding. When problems come, the first place to look is within. Our immediate response should be confession to God of sins that may have created our problems. Yeah. And then I have um, for Judges 14 through 16, God promised to give Gideon the strength he needed to overcome the opposition, and God told him, I will be with you. In spite of this clear promise for strength, Gideon made excuses, seeing only his limitations and weaknesses. He failed to see how God could work through him. Like Gideon, we are called to serve God in specific ways. Although God promises the tools and strength we need, we often make excuses. But remaining, but reminding God of our limitations only implies that he does not know all about us or that he has made a mistake in evaluating our character. Don't spend time making excuses. Instead, spend it doing what God wants. And that's been consistent. Yeah. That message has been consistent uh, all the way. Yeah. You think if, you know, if God asks you to do something, don't think it's going to be easy. It might be, but I don't know, you know... It's, it may not be easy. It's probably going to be hard, but he's not going to just have not be with you. And he knows that you're capable. Yeah. He knows you're capable, but he didn't say it's going to be easy. No. No. And I think that's get Gideon is afraid. He's afraid he might die, I think. Well, if he died for for the God in for God then then good. I mean, you know. Yeah, yeah. But mm-hmm. it's nice to see that. It's kind of the same sentiment with Moses. You know, he didn't have that confidence. No. He didn't think he could do it. Same here with Gideon. Yeah. And he did do it. Yeah. Uh, anything else for chapter 6? Uh, no. Okay, so moving on to chapter 7. Gideon and his men were ready to fight the Midianites. The Lord told Gideon there were too many men, and if they were victorious, they would congratulate themselves and not the Lord. So the Lord tested the men, and one of the tests was having them go down by a spring to see who would cup water in their hands and lap it up uh, with their tongues like dogs, and who would kneel down and drink with their mouths in the stream, which was so interesting. I know. You know, throughout the entire Bible, we get parables and... Mm -hmm. um, Did you have notes for for chapter 7? Yes, I do. I have um, self-sufficiency is a handicap when it causes us to believe we can do what needs to be done in our own strength. To prevent this attitude among Gideon's soldiers, God reduced their number from 32,000 to 300. Mm. With an army this vastly outnumbered, there could be no doubt the victory was from God. 
Then I have um, Midianites were camel riding marauders, marauders mm -hmm. composed of the descendants of five families linked to Abraham through Midian. The son of Abraham's second wife, Keturah, they inhabited the desert regions from the Dead Sea to the Red. An enemy soldier dreamed of a loaf of barley bread tumbling into camp. Barley grain had only half the value of wheat, and the bread made from it was considered inferior. In the same way, Israel's tiny band of men considered inferior to the vast forces of the Midian and Amalek. But God make God would make the underdog Israelites seem invincible. Hmm. Uh, anything else for chapter 7? Um, no, that's all I have. Okay, I had one other little note for 7. Gideon's warriors simply watched as the army of Midian fell into panic, confusion, and disorderly retreat. Not one man had to draw a sword to defeat the enemy. Gideon's small army could never have brought about such a victory in its own strength. God wanted to demonstrate to Israel that victory depends not on the strength of numbers, but on obedience and commitment to him. Yeah. Because it came down to 300? 300. Wow. Yeah. 300. That's Amazing. another theme that we've seen. It's more of, you need to trust me. Yeah, you need to trust. The obedience has to be there. Yeah. Being obedient to God is a, is a sure indicator that you're living in the light. Mm. That, that is in John, 1 John, mm. um, the letter he wrote. So, and living in the light is following the commandments, following his word. And no, no, you cannot keep the commandments as we've talked about, but that's a sure indicator. So, though they only have 300 men, if they're obedient, yeah. there we are. Yeah, the Lord was going to be, he was going to give the victory. Yeah. Like, they didn't have to even lift their swords. They had, he had already been there and taken care of it. Yeah. They just had to show up. Mm. And we say that a lot to each other. That's right. You know, we do. We, we just like if anybody's having a hard time or they have to go to the doctor this week, just remember he's already walked in that room and you just have to show up. You know? I still think about when you said that. That that just, I don't know why that affected me so much. I was like, wow, that's, you're right. Yeah, he's already, because he's already done all, you mm -hmm. know. Yeah. So we just have to show up. We just, and trust, mm -hmm. faith, and yeah. So it didn't matter if there was one man, really. Yeah, it could have been if, Gideon and one other guy. Yeah, if their faith and obedience, and yeah. So, yeah, mm -hmm. that's amazing. I, I know. Love that. Gosh. Yeah. Okay, anything else for chapter 7? I don't have anything. No. Okay, so moving on to chapter 8. Now, the kings of Midian were, uh, these names, Zeba and Zalmunna. Zalmunna? Hard one, huh? Uh, the, the, you know, the further you get, you get some doozies in yeah, here. Yeah, you do. So we try our best. Yeah, we do. So Gideon and his 300 warriors were traveling, chasing after the kings of Midian. And the... The people of Succoth and Peniel, yeah, the two towns, they refused to feed them until until they captured these kings of Midian, and Gideon was unhappy about that. 
and warn them of, of destruction after the Lord gave them victory, which he did. He yeah. went back. Did you have a note for that first part? Yes. The leaders of Succoth and Peniel refused to help Gideon, probably fearing Midian's revenge should he fail. Gideon's army was 300 men chasing 15,000. They should have realized the victory was certain because God was with Gideon. But they were so worried about saving themselves that they never thought about God's power to save. Because of fear for ourselves, we may not recognize God's presence in other people and therefore miss God's victory. Then we must face the often bitter consequences of failing to join forces with those God has chosen to do his work. Because God will prevail with, with or without you, be quick to join others who are engaged in his work. Lend support with your time, money, talents, and prayers. Anything else for that first part? Mid the Midianites' tent-dwelling nomads were trying to escape back into the desert where they lived. They didn't expect Gideon to follow them that far. Gideon carried out the threats he had made in Judges 8, 7 through 9. It is difficult to determine whether this act of revenge was justified or whether he should have left the punishment up to God. Gideon was God's appointed leader, but the officials of Succoth and Peniel refused to help him in any way because they feared the enemy. They showed neither faith nor respect for God or the man God had chosen to save them. We should help others because it is right, regardless of whether we will benefit personally. You know, also the insert, because we've mentioned before in our Bibles, there are inserts about the different um, people in the Bible. And one of the um, little things in the Gideon insert, it was lessons from his life. And there were three points they made. One, God calls in the middle of our present obedience. As we are faithful, he gives us more responsibility. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. You know, as he sees us grow and become more obedient and more faithful, yeah. he will give us more. He does, yeah. Uh, two, God uses us in spite of our limitations and failures. Mm -hmm. And three, even those who make great spiritual progress can easily fall into sin if they don't consistently follow God. Uh, so Gideon did, they did capture those Midian kings and he ended up killing them both and taking the royal ornaments from the necks of their camels. And the Israelites were very happy with Gideon and wanted to make them their ruler. And then uh, in Judges chapter 8, verses 23 and 24, But Gideon replied, I will not rule over you, nor will my son. The Lord will rule over you. However, I do have one request, that each of you give me an earring from the plunder you collected from your fallen enemies. And the enemies were the Ishmaelites, who all wore gold earrings. Oh. And uh, they happily complied. Um, 43 pounds worth of gold earrings, Amy. Gosh. That's a lot. That is. I mean, think about it. An earring can't be, what, ounces? An ounce? Yeah. 43 pounds. <sighs> and Gideon made an, was it, is it ephod? F, F, ephod? I think ephod. Ephod. He made an ephod uh, from the gold, but the Israelites started to worship that. Oh. Uh, did you have any notes in, in that part of chapter 8? 
An ephod was a linen garment worn by priests over their chests. It was considered holy. Gideon probably had good motives for making the ephod a visible remembrance commemorating the victory. Unfortunately, the people began to worship the ephod as an idol. Sadly, many decisions that stem from good motives produce negative results. Perhaps no one stops to ask what might go wrong, or is there a possibility of negative consequences? In your plans and decisions, take time to anticipate how a good idea might lead to a potential problems and take steps to avoid them. Hmm. And there was peace while Gideon was alive, which was for about another 40 years, but the Israelites reverted back to worshiping Baal uh, when he passed. Uh, anything else for chapter 8? Um, the relationship between Gideon and a concubine produced a son who tore apart Gideon's family and caused tragedy for the nation. Gideon's story illustrates the fact that heroes in a battle are not always heroes in daily life. Gideon led the nation, led the nation but could not lead his family. No matter who you are, moral laxness will cause problems. Just because you have won a single battle with temptation does not mean you will automatically win the next one. We need to be constantly watchful against temptation. Sometimes Satan's strongest attacks come after a victory. Yeah, we've heard that a lot, too. Yes, for sure. Alrighty. For sure. So, moving on to chapter 9. Uh, we start talking about Gideon's son, Abimelech. And he had went to Shechem. Now, I, I heard two different pronunciations, but... Uh, I think I'm going to stick with Shechem. Okay, gotcha. He went to Shechem to ask his family members if they wanted to be ruled by all of Gideon's sons, which there were a lot, or by one man. And they chose Abimelech because he was their relative. Abimelech then paid some, some troublemakers with money, who money given by his family, yeah, to murder all 70 of his half-brothers. Only the youngest brother, Jotham, escaped. That's horrible. I know. My gosh. Terrible. Did you have anything for that part? Politics played a major part in pagan religions such as the worship of Baal. Governments often went so far as to hire temple prostitutes to bring in additional money. In many cases, a religion religious system was set up and support by the government so the offerings could fund community projects. Religion became a non-profit making business. In Israel, religion that was strictly forbidden. God's system of religion was designed to come from an attitude of the heart, not from the calculated plans and business opportunities. It was also designed to serve people and help those in need, not to oppress them. Is your faith genuine and sincere, or is it based on convenience, comfort, and availability? Hmm. It's just weird hearing temple prostitute. I Yeah, it is. It doesn't go together. No. In jo Jotham's parable, the trees represented Gideon's 70 sons, and the thorn bush represented Abimelech. Jotham's point was this. 
A productive person would be too busy doing good to want to bother with power politics. A worthless person, on the other hand, would be glad to accept the honor, but he would destroy the people he ruled. Abimelech, like a thorn bush, could offer Israel no real protection or security. Jotham's parable came true when Abimelech destroyed the city of Shechem, burned the lower of Shechem, and also known as the city of Beth Milo, and was fully killed at the Bez. Mm. It's because there are a lot of parables in the Bible. Yeah. I Now, this is me. Yes. We were just talking about this. I... I would have to have notes to understand it. Yeah. Or get online and, and try to figure out, like, okay, what is God saying here? Yeah. Just yeah. to see different interpretations of it. Yes. Because some of them, it's, you may think one thing is like, oh, oh, that's what it was about? Yeah. Okay. That's a little hard. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know it. God loves his parables. Yes, he does. <laughs> um, so after Jotham spoke, because we had Jotham's parable, and uh, after he spoke, he fled because he was afraid of his brother, Abimelech. Yeah. He took off. Yeah. Um, would you mind reading Judges chapter 9, verses 22 and t- through 24? After Abimelech had ruled over Israel for three years, God sent a spirit that stirred up trouble between Abimelech and the leading citizens of Shechem, and they revolted. God was punishing Abimelech for murdering Gideon's 70 sons. And the citizens of Shechem for supporting him on his treachery of murdering his brothers. The citizens of Shechem set an ambush for Abimelech on the hilltops of on the hilltops and robbed everyone who passed that way. But someone warned Abimelech of their plot. Uh, it's pretty amazing that God would send a spirit, yeah, to stir up trouble, yeah. One, that he was just, he, he's capable of doing that. I know. Amazing. It is. It is amazing. Yes. Um, do you have anything for, for that section of the chapter? God promises to deal with sin, but in his time, not ours. Actually, it is good news that God doesn't punish us immediately because we all have sinned and deserve God's punishment. God, in his mercy, often spares us from immediate punishment and allows us time to turn from our sins and to turn to him in repentance. Trusting God for justice means we must first recognize our own sins and repent, and we, must, and we may face a difficult time of waiting for the wicked to be punished, but in God's time all evil will be destroyed. And this is, sometimes it's hard to um, be patient yes. in this part, uh, waiting for the wicked to be punished. Yeah. It's hard at times. And we may never see it. No. Now, um, this other note blew me away. This trouble stirred up was not just an attitude of strife. It was a demon. It was not Satan himself, but one of the fallen angels under Satan's influence. God used this evil spirit to bring about judgment on Shechem. So my question is, because God allowed it. Yeah. Did he send the evil spirit or did he see Satan doing it and just allowed it? 
I think he sent it. So God can send evil spirits. Oh yeah, if they're going to bring if they're going to if they are going to bring his plan to what it should be, yeah. Okay. And glorify. Yeah. Okay. And bring glory absolutely. Hmm. 100%. Okay. 923. What is 920? Would you mind reading 923? Um, no, I'll go ahead and read that. Let me read it again here. It said, God sent a spirit that stirred up trouble between Ab Abimelech and the leading citizens of Shechem, and they revolted. So, so he did send it. So the evil. Okay. Yeah. All right. Thank you. I appreciate yes. that. No, not a problem. Uh, so the people from Shechem went into battle against Abimelech, who in turn killed many of the people. Yeah. And now Abimelech was eventually killed. Many, uh, <laughs> many of the citizens of Shechem had barricaded themselves in a tower. And as Abimelech approached, a woman on the roof dropped a stone on his head. Gosh. Which I'm surprised he didn't die from that. I know. Crushing his skull. But yeah. Abimelech didn't want to be killed by a woman. So he had whoever was next to him uh, had him kill him with a sword. sword yep. Mm -hmm. Gosh. You know, and then it said here, um, because it had mentioned scattering salt. Yeah. And in the notes it said to scatter salt over a conquered city was a ritual to symbolize the perpetual desolation of the city. It would be rebuilt for... What is the end of that? It note would say? not be rebuilt. Thank you. I knew that wasn't right. It wouldn't be rebuilt for 150 years. Yep. Okay, so then we have uh, some more verses. So Judges chapter 9, verses 55 through 57. When Abimelech's men saw that he was dead, they disbanded and returned to their homes. In this way, God punished Abimelech for the evil he had done against his father by murdering his 70 brothers. God also punished the men of Shechem for all their evil. So the curse of Jotham, son of Gideon, was fulfilled. Oh. I just love that it says here, once they saw he was dead, they just disbanded and returned. Yeah. Like, well, that's that. It's done. Let's, let's just go home. Yeah. And and he didn't want to be remembered for being killed by the lady. Yeah. Yet it's in here. <laughs> yeah. The thing he didn't want. Yeah. Well, it's in here, though. You were killed with a sword after, but let me just tell you, though, there's in here. That stone to the skull pretty much did yeah. it. Yeah. Just so you know. <laughs> yeah. I know. Crazy. Do, do you have anything else for chapter 9? Um, in the end, Abimelech killed 69 of 70 of his brothers, tore apart a nation, and then was killed himself. For Gideon's life, we learn that no matter how much good we do for God's kingdom, sin in our lives will seem to produce powerful damaging consequences. Okay, so going to chapter... 10 uh, the next judge was Tola and then so that was for 23 years and then Jair was the one after that the next judge for 22 years and guess what you'll never guess what happened oh I can't even imagine the Israelites uh, they did evil in the Lord's oh, eyes it's a shocker it really is and they serve foreign gods and the Lord, you know, was upset. So he allowed the Philistines and the Ammonites to oppress them for 18 years. That's a long time. You know, we just read it in the Bible. I it's know. like, oh, 18 years. But 18 years is a long yeah, time. Yeah, you think about your kids. Yeah. Gosh. Yep. 
and the Israelites cried out for help. Um, would you mind reading chapter 10, verses 11 through 14? The Lord replied, Did I not rescue you from the Egyptians, the Amorites, the Ammonites, the Philistines, the Sidonians, and the Amalekites, and the Maonites, when they oppressed you? You cried out to me for help, and I rescued you. Yet you have abandoned me and served other gods, so I will not rescue you anymore. Go and cry out to the gods you have chosen. Let them rescue you in your hour of distress. <laughs> I love those verses. I know. Because God got a little sassy. Yeah, he's like, listen. Go to them then. Yeah. See I've what happens. Done it so many times, after time after time. <laughs> It's it's time to be done here. No kidding. You like oh. those gods so much, let them figure you out. That's right. They'll save you. That's right. Yeah. Crazy. Oh, did you have any notes for chapter 10? Yes. We act just like the Israelites when we put God outside our daily events instead of at the center of them. Just as a loving parent feels rejected when a child rebels, so God feels great rejection when we ignore or neglect Him. We should strive to stay close to God rather than see how far we can go before judgment comes. That is so the truth. Mm -hmm. Like fellowship with Him every day. I feel like that's what I really need to work on. Yeah. I need to... You. Yeah. It just seems surprising. I do. I feel like I don't spend one-on-one -on -one quality time with him. Mm-hmm. Um, talking to him. Okay. You know, I, I feel like I study, and but that's something I feel like I need to really work on. Okay. I don't know. That was a good... I loved that little part of that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's... You know, and then at the beginning here of one of the other notes, it said these verses show how difficult it can be to follow God over the long haul. And, uh, like, I give the 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 um, the Israelites, I mess with them because it's always kind of the same cycle, same yeah. cycle. But it's true. You yes. know, they show how difficult it can be to follow God over the long haul. Absolutely. Am I any different? Not really, no. no. We're not. We're not any different. Just like that time whenever you and I said, oh, how easy it would be to have the cloud. Well, then we oh, have that right. epiphany saying, well, we have the Holy Spirit. Yeah. We have it inside. We have it just as well, if not better, and like, I don't know. And they didn't have that. No. They didn't have Jesus. No. So, you know. I mean, they yes, they had. God was, was you know, was with them and stuff. Right. But. You know, yeah. The grass is always greener, but yeah. I know. It's, it is. And it was, we learned, I forget when, not too long ago, that... There were generations that weren't like really educated on God and what He had done for the for the Israelites. Right. So it may have been very easy to fall back or or to follow foreign gods. Yes. 
for sure. Yep. Okay, anything yeah. else for chapter 10? Chapter 10. I do have one more. Sure. <clears throat> um, once again, the Israelites suffered for many years before they gave up their sinful ways and called out to God for help. Notice that they were at the end of their rope. They finally looked to the one and only who was really able to help, not their pagan gods. Is God your last result? So much unnecessary suffering takes place because we don't call on God until we have used up all other resources. Rather than waiting until the situation becomes desperate, turn to God first. He has the necessary resources to meet every kind of problem. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's for sure. Alrighty, so chapter 11. There were a couple different ways to pronounce this gentleman's name as well. Uh, Japheth, that was the more common. Oh, okay. How do you say it? I, Jephath? Jephath? I don't know. <laughs> you almost want to say Jephath? I don't know. Yeah. Jephathath? Yeah. That's why when I when I heard a couple of different ways to to pronounce it, I was like Japheth. How do you get that yeah. out of that? But okay. In any case, uh, he was run out of his homeland of Gilead by his family because his mother was a prostitute, and the the uh, the family members didn't want him getting any of the inheritance. Wow. Yet these same family members turned to him for help because he he was a great warrior. And uh, when the Ammonites began to attack them. So they needed him then. Yeah. Because there was going to be a war against Israel. And then uh, chapter 11, verses 7 through 10. But Japheth said to them, Aren't you the ones who hated me and drove me from my father's house? Why do you come to me now when you're in trouble? Because we need you, the elders replied. If you lead us in battle against the Ammonites, we will make you ruler over all the people of Gilead. Japheth said to the elders, let me get this straight. If I come with you, and if the Lord gives me victory over the Ammonites, will you really make me ruler over all the people? The Lord is our witness, the elders replied. We promise to do whatever you say. Uh, anything for chapter 11, or that part of chapter 11? Um... In Jephthah's case, great potential is wasted because of prejudice, a refusal to look beyond ill-convinced stereotypes. Look around you to see if there are potential Jephthahs being kept out due to factors beyond their control. As a Christian, you know that everyone can have a place in God's family. Can you do anything to help these people gain acceptance for their character and abilities? And then I... I think for that, all of us... Yeah. Should say yes. Yeah. For sure. We can all... We can all do something or do more. Yes. And then I had... What does it mean that Jephthah repeated what he said in the presence of the Lord? Those making covenants in ancient times often made them at shrines so that they would be witnessed by deities... Often a written copy was also deposited at the shrine. This was much like a coronation ceremony for Jephthah. Uh, anything else for that part of, no. of the chapter? Okay. And now the remainder of chapter 11 is kind of sad. Um, would you mind reading chapter 11 verses 30 and 31, please? Let me get to that. 
And Jephthah made a vow to the Lord. He said, If you give me victory over the Ammonites, I will give to the Lord whatever comes out of my house to, to meet me when I return in triumph. I will sacrifice it as a burnt offering. Now, I know it talks about it later in the notes, and we'll get to that, but Japheth wasn't thinking too hard about what he just said. Right. Uh, so the Lord gave uh, Japheth the, the victory, and the first thing that came out of his house was his only daughter. And she was, also, she was a virgin, and Japheth was crushed but kept his vow. Even his daughter understood that the vow had to be kept. Yeah. So it was known, like, if you made a vow to the Lord, it had to be kept. Yeah. No matter what. Um, but the only thing that Japheth asked of the Lord was uh, to allow his daughter to roam in the hill, quote unquote, roam in the hills and weep with her friends for two months, two months because she will die a virgin. And the Lord allowed it. Oh, very sad. Yeah, it is. Um, it what, was. What did you have for chapter 11? Whatever Jephthah had in mind when he made that vow, did he or did he made the vow, did he or did he not sacrifice his daughter? Some think he did because his vow was to make a burnt offering. Some think he did not and and they offered these two they offer these two reasons. If the girl was to die, she should have not spent her last two months in the hills. And God would have not honored a vow based on a wicked practice. Mm. Yeah, who knows? I I think, yeah. Maybe it was more common in those days. Yeah. Okay, this it, this may be a silly question, but did they have, like, doors and stuff on... Um, that was me. I'm no, no, it's okay. I just didn't want it to pop out. Um, did they have doors for their houses? I think so. Okay, because I didn't know... Like, was it common for animals just to walk in and out? Yeah, I don't know. But then you think about when they said, paint the top of your door. Oh, but good call. But it could have not been a wooden door. I guess it could have been a... No, that's a... You know what? Yeah. You're, you're totally right. They yeah. had doors. Yeah. It just seems weird that he would think that it would yeah. come out... An animal. It would be an animal. Yeah. I know. It's curious. Yeah, it is. But anyways, the, I think maybe the point is is that vows had to be kept. Yes, they did. Yep. Um, anything else for, for chapter 11? I know there was a lot there. Jephthah's rash vow brought him unspeakable grief. In the heat of emotion or personal turmoil, it's easy to make foolish promises to God. These promises may sound very spiritual when we make them, but they may produce only guilt and frustration when we are forced to fulfill them. Making spiritual deals only brings disappointment. God does not want promises from the, for the future, but obedience for today. How great is that? Yep. I love that. I God, do too. God does not want promises for the future, but obedience for today. Amen. Love that. Anything else for chapter 11? I don't have anything. Okay, so chapter 12. Uh, chapter 12 starts out with the people of Ephraim sending a message to Jeff Chaffith. Okay. Uh, asking why he didn't, they, they wanted to know why he didn't ask for their help in battle. And they were so, this made no sense. They were so mad slash crazy. They told Jaffith that they were going to burn his house down with him oh. in it. 
So Japheth told them he did, but they refused to help. And the warriors of, of Gilead, which are Japheth's men, and the warriors of Ephraim battled. And oh. Gilead was victorious, killing 42,000 men. And uh, Japheth, Japheth was judge of Israel for another six years. Oh. That's kind of extreme. Like, we're oh. mad at you, so we're going to burn your house down and hope you die inside. Yeah, it is. It's hateful. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Any notes for for that? Yes. Israel had just won a great battle, but instead of joy, there was pettiness and quarreling. The tribe of Ephraim was angry and jealous that they had not been invited to join in the fighting, although Jephthah said he had invited them. The insults of the... Ephraimites enraged Jephthah, who called out his troops and killed 42,000 men in Ephraim. Jephthah usually spoke before he acted, but this time his revenge was swift. It cost Israel dearly, and it might have been avoided, avoided. Insulting others and being jealous are not right responses when we feel left out, but seeking revenge for an insult is just as wrong and very costly. It is. Yeah. And you know what? That That is very true today. Um, not just in person, but uh, for if you're online. Oh, yeah. Like, there's different ways that you can oh. apply that. Yeah. Um, so then it finishes up. We had some more judges. Yep. There wasn't much information given about them, but we had Ibzan for seven years, Elon for ten years, Abdon for eight years. Yeah. And you know what? I I had to go back and check our notes from uh, the last session. Because I was like, wait, how many years did they have judges? Right. Israel was ruled by kings for approximately 410 years. That's God. a long time. Yeah. Reading, oh. I don't know, reading the Bible, I'm just like, okay, judge, 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 judge. But a lot of time goes by. And that vicious cycle. The vicious cycle. And, and we, yeah. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. And it's very possible that the time goes by. Okay, so the the Israelites are repenting. Well, maybe so much time goes by. You do have another generation that's like, well, wait, Baal looks okay over there. Like, they just, they don't, it just keeps going. Yeah, on and on. On and on. On and on. That's all I had, Amy. That's all I've got too, friend. All right. Great. That was very, very good. Yes, it was. Now, you are on music recommendations. On my record, and I have, I'm going to get the name of him. It's called Heaven's Knife by Josh Garrels. G-A-R-R-E-L-L-S. Heaven's Knife Uh by Josh Garrels. Yeah. Okay. And he wrote that. Okay. And it's about him being like his wife, like he was he was stabbed by heaven's knife, like the love. Oh, and kind of like you know, woman comes from the man's body. It's very good. It's a precious love song. Is it a contemporary song? What's that? Mean? Like, is it a newer song? No. Okay. Well, it's not old. Old. I'd say it's probably. 10 years old. Oh, so, okay, it's fairly yeah, yeah, new. Yeah, it's okay. fairly new. Okay. 
I'd say it's, yeah, it's pretty fairly new. Okay. Yeah. Oh, great. I love that song. I'm going to have to uh, look that one up and listen to it. I haven't heard of it before. Yeah, it's it's good. Okay. Yeah. Um, so we'll get to some information. Our email is basicbiblestudy19, the number 19 at gmail.com, facebook.com slash mybasicbiblestudy, and the website is mybasicbiblestudy.com, and you can find all the links on there. And then for next time, we are going to finish up Judges. Um, I know it's it's chapters 13 through 21, so I know it's a little bit of a read, but most of it is the story of Samson. Yeah. That's fascinating. Uh, I remember the first time uh, I read that, I was like, whoa. Because remember we met, and I'm like, do you know about this Samson guy? Yeah. There it is. So, yeah, so Judges chapters 13 through 21, and we will finish that up. Wow. Here we go. Yeah. Praise our Lord. Amen. 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 And don't take advantage of of your good health. No. Stay healthy, too. My gosh. Yeah. God bless all of you. Anything else? You're all good? I'm good. All right. If you have any prayer requests or comments, just drop us an email. Yeah. No problem. No. No. We'll see you soon. Yes. We will catch you guys next time. Take care.